Hey there, hey, I'm so glad you're here for another episode at Java with Jen. It's good to have you. And you're just in time because we are launching into a new series, which is on how to help busy moms build their dreams in a way that honors the Lord, honors their family, and feeds their soul. This is a question I get very often, which is, Jen, how have you done all that you've done to build a business, a podcast, a coaching program, a podcast network, alongside being a busy mom, and raise and doing the ministry. And so I'm going to break this up into a series of episodes. First one is today's, which is 10 keys for the busy mom to build her dreams in a way that honors the Lord, honors her family and feeds her soul. Next week is going to be the Q and a that you guys dropped questions on my Instagram page. Um, I posted a story at Java with Jen on Instagram and you guys dropped your questions about how did you do this specific aspect of building your dream? How did you make it healthy? How did you have boundaries? All the questions you guys brought were very, very pointed, very relevant, and I'm excited to dive into those. And the next few weeks after that, I will be having guests on the show who are women who are actively building dreams, exciting dreams alongside raising their kids and maybe even homeschooling. So you're not going to want to miss these. Make sure you're subscribed so you don't miss any of the episodes coming up and make sure that you share this with a friend, especially a mom friend, to help empower her in her own journey of building her dreams. Okay, let's jump in. Hi, you're listening to Java with Jen with your host, Jenna Lee Samuel. On this show, I bring the simplicity of hearing God's voice into everyday life in a no-nonsense, authentic, and super practical way. With coffee in hand and real life in our faces, let's do this. I am so excited that you are here for today's episode because this is something near and dear to my heart and I get so many questions from people which honestly at first when I got questions from people about how did you build everything that you're building and I women started saying you know silly things like oh I want to be like you when I grow up you know or or they'd say I actually watch I watch you and I take inspiration from the things that you're doing um when I started hearing comments like that It actually surprised me because truth be told, I felt like an imposter (laughs) for most of my journey of building my dreams. Most of it felt like I had one hand over my eyes and the other hand flailing, trying to find the doorknob and that I was just trying to figure things out blindly as I went. So in retrospect, of course, vision is 2020 and I can look back and see, oh, the Lord was ordering my steps or, oh, these are the things I did that actually served me. Or, oh, those are the things I did that did not serve me (laughs) in this journey. So I'm going to share those things with you guys today in this episode. I'm super excited about this. I know a lot of times as moms, we can feel like we become invisible or we disappear in the role of motherhood. We become nothing but a professional diaper changer, butt wiper, nose cleaner, meal maker, and while we understand in our in our minds and our bigger perspective we know that's important i'm like yes i wouldn't want anyone else to fill that role for my kids i want to do that but there's something inside of us that says but there's also more to me than just that <laughs> i'm not just a woman i'm not just a mother i am a whole human with a whole purpose and and brilliance and creativity and giftings and And I'm meant to leave an impact in this world. And your kids are one way that you're going to do that. Probably the most profound way you're going to do that. But 
we as women have dreams aside from motherhood or alongside of motherhood, maybe even via motherhood, you know, that have that we want to be able to take action on. But when you're a mom, your schedule is very much not your own and it feels like other people own your schedule, which can make it really hard for us as moms to figure out how to build anything alongside of motherhood that that has any kind of consistency or stability. Um, I know that when I was a younger mother, especially, I would get up early to try to spend time with the Lord, or I would uh, build time into my evening to try to blog or whatever. And sure enough, the kids would get up early, stay up late, do the things that interrupted my goals. And so it actually was really challenging when they were little. And so when they were little, I didn't build a whole lot. I invested in my family and there was little tiny things I did that kind of nurtured my gifts without being very time intensive. As my kids got older, I was able to dig more. And so that's what I'm going to dive into today. So if you're a mom and you have this full-time job, maybe you're even a working mom and that adds even more to your plate, right? And so I want you to understand these 10 principles I'm going to share with you. A lot of them are built around balance and knowing yourself and knowing your season because You cannot look at the woman next to you and expect your journey to look like hers. It will not look like hers. It it literally will never look like hers. It is not supposed to. And so one of the most important things to keep in mind is that you are unique. Your life journey is unique. Your gifts are unique. The way that's going to take shape is unique. And so in some regards, you can learn from other people. But in some regards, there is going to be a definite aspect of trial and error, learn as you go, and build even though you're surrounded with question marks. Fake it till you make it. I hate that phrase, but I love that phrase because it it actually is quite relevant sometimes. Um, And let me just share before I dive in, like I felt very much, like my kids, actually I'll give you a little background. My kids, I had four kids within six years Um, my oldest had not turned six when my youngest was born. So he was still five years old when my fourth child was born. So I was drowning in diapers and nap schedules and fits and food thrown on the floor. I was drowning in all of it for it felt like about eight years was like intense. Um, and so the idea of building my dreams honestly wasn't, wasn't even on my radar when they were little it was more like survival of the fittest. Like how can I get the kids through the day without a meltdown? And to be honest, I remember there was one day I was on a walk with the Lord and I was crying because I didn't get to go to college because I got pregnant right away while I was waiting to become an in-state, in-state student for tuition purposes. And then I got pregnant time and time and time and time again. And I, we didn't have a budget for me to be able to pay for classes. And so I just didn't go to college after I got married. And so because I didn't have any additional skills, um, my priority wasn't, I wasn't thinking about a career. I was literally having babies and just trying to get them raised and trying to survive day to day. Um, I was, there was a season that I wasn't really involved in ministry much at all. Pretty much their little tiny years. I'd go to church. I helped on the worship team, um, but I didn't do a whole lot. Every now and again, there'd be a pocket of opportunity where I would do something, but none of it was consistent. The only consistent part of my life was I was raising kids. And 
I remember talking to the Lord and crying. And, you know, you feel like when you're in the midst of it, they say the days are long and the years are short. It's true. The days are very long and sometimes the years are very long as well. And I just remember feeling like I had been immersed in this world of raising babies for years because I had. And I was talking to the Lord and I was crying and I was like, Lord, I feel like I have given away my best years to this. I feel like all my potential is chilling out on the inside of me and nothing is coming of it. And I feel like I'm, I'm going to disappear into the oblivion and not fulfill my, you know, that whole desperation we feel as a mom. I'm, I'm dying on the inside. And, and the Lord just spoke to me. He said, generally, he said, and, and actually one of the things I said was, Lord, how do I build my platform? I want to preach. I want to speak to the nations. I want to, you know, be Lisa Bevere. You know, that was in my heart. And I was like, but God, I got to be developing that and building that. And I was like, I hardly have time to read my Bible. How am I supposed to make this happen? And, uh, and I just was frustrated, kind of having a tantrum. And, and the Lord just spoke to me. He said, generally, he said, I can give you a platform in a day. He said, you be faithful with what is in front of you because I am so big and I am so good. I know the plans I have for you and I will strategically order your steps so that you are prepared for what you need to do when the time comes. But he said, right now, be faithful. What you're doing in your faithfulness is building your platform. You don't see it, but I see it and I know what it's going to become one day. And so that gave me a lot of comfort and it's true. I didn't see it. I didn't understand. I didn't know what was happening. I didn't know that so many tears I cried was going to be building the things that I love later. Um, being in ministry, preaching, doing the things Lisa Bevere does. This was all in my heart and I didn't have opportunity to do it. Not just because of parenting. That was, that was one thing. Um, but it was actually culturally my husband didn't really know how to pull me in as a partner in ministry. That was a real pain point, And that's because he didn't see that. He did not have a good model for that. He didn't know how to do that. And so there had to be a lot of communication between us. And he didn't realize the um, sexism I would experience as a woman. I said, let me help you learn. And so I would point out to him when I would experience sexist moments where people would prioritize him because he was the man, he was the head, he was the this. And he began to see over time, oh, this isn't in your head. This is a real thing. And so I experienced different limitations. Well, those limitations became the closed doors that caused me to pivot and look another direction and begin to actually build what became the dreams that were in me that I didn't know that's how they were going to take shape. And I share that because it's very important that we realize that what can feel like obstacles or closed doors are oftentimes like when, you know, like when you're driving down a road and suddenly the road turns, if you keep driving, you're going to drive off the road or hit a wall, right? Or hit a barricade or a barrier. Well, when that road turns, it's forcing you to redirect, to go another direction. Maybe it's a reroute, maybe it's a detour, whatever. And it can be very frustrating if you're like, no, I'm supposed to go this way. Well, life is much the same way. We can hit what feels like walls or barriers or obstacles, but I want you to view it as this is a reroute of the road, not even a reroute, like God planned it this way probably, you know, but it's a reroute for us because it didn't fit maybe how we planned it would happen. And so when the road takes a right, when the road takes a turn, 
go with it because it's going to get you to your destination. And oftentimes those obstacles, hurdles, and and painful places that feel like they're shutting you down or shutting you up or preventing you from fulfilling your call, a lot of times it's just forcing you to look in a direction you wouldn't have looked before. When I was young, podcasting didn't exist. So, I mean, I always kind of wanted to be a radio show host. So maybe that was the Lord kind of putting something in my heart to prepare me for podcasting. But podcasting wasn't a thing. And so when I was a young mom, I never thought about being a podcaster. It was never like, this is the dream I'm going to build. I wanted to preach behind pulpits in a church because that's what I had seen. And that's what resonated with the gifts inside of me. But I didn't know that just because that's what I'd seen, that God was going to do a different thing with me and and a, a new thing. God's always doing new, unique things, and each of our journeys are unique. So I want you to keep in mind, it's human nature to look for someone to model after, to look. We want to follow a vision, right? And so we look, who's doing what what resonates with the inside of me, and how can I do what they're doing? And so you're going to look for an example. You're going to look for a model. Well, what our brains do is our brains tell us this is how it's going to work for me because that resonates with the gifts inside of me. But the reality is God has made you uniquely. He will probably create a different pathway for you and create a different expression of your gifts than he did for that person. So be inspired by them, but be open and be flexible and don't get stuck on your expectations of what your path should look like because God is creative. His ways are higher than our ways. He is able to do imaginably, immeasurably more than all we ask, think, or imagine. So for someone as big and creative and with as many resources as he does and has, you fulfilling your dreams will probably look a little different than what you imagined. And that is what makes it an adventure. So with that said, let's jump into these 10 keys and we're going to dive into them. All right, so we're gonna smash through these pretty quick because I wanna keep this episode shorter, not longer. However, feel free to listen to it a few times if that's gonna help you kind of like retain it all because it's gonna be really rich. First of all, why does it matter if you as a mom pursue your gifts? Because the reason why is because you were put here by God to do what God put you here to do. And motherhood is a part of that, but it is not the whole of it. Okay, Ephesians 4.16 says, From him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. You have an important part to fulfill. 1 Corinthians 4.7, Who says you are better than others? What do you have that was not given to you? And if it was given to you, why do you brag as if you did not receive it as a gift? 1 Corinthians 4 is saying basically everything we've been given, all of our strengths are given to us as a gift. If it's a gift, then it is meant to be given back and to be offered back to serve the people around us. Colossians 3, 23 through 24 says, whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord, you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. And what I like about this says, whatever you do, granted, it's writing to a group of people, so it can't be real specific. Um, But I have actually seen throughout scripture and I've come to discover in my journey that God does have specific plans for us, yes. God has put specific gifts in us, yes. But sometimes I think, and I don't know if it's charismatic circles or 
the way we've evolved in our Christianity to think about the way God works. It's, maybe it's because it says, I, God knows the plans he has for you, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plan to give you hope and a future. And so we think God has these very specific lined out instructions. But I feel like it's almost more like if you're looking at a map and there's lots of streets and roads, but there's like key points, like key cities that a lot of roads will head to. I feel like in our life, it's kind of similar to that. You can take multiple paths, but there's like these pivot points that God brings us to where it's like this thing needs to happen, this thing needs to happen, and this thing needs to happen. But he gives a lot of freedom in the journey of us fleshing out, for lack of a better phrase, fleshing out what that will look like. And part of how we get to those destinations is that we're moving in our gifts, we're learning our gifts, we're functioning in our gifts. And God did not create robots. And so there is a partnership that happens with God. He created people that in the context of a relationship with him, we work together to co-labor, to co-create, to um, co-rule and reign in this earth. So when it comes to the fulfillment and the expression of your gifts, I don't want you to feel that like there's some script you're supposed to be reading about your life and that you're trying to guess this one track God has for you. There is a lot of room to explore and discover. In fact, we see that in um, the parable of the talents where the master, and it's, an, it's, a, it's a parable, it's an analogy of God and how he works with us, right? And so the master gave out talents to these three servants. To one he gave one, to one he gave five, to one he gave ten. Or He gave them differing amounts and it says according to their faith or according to their skill. And so to the one with little skill, he gave little, you know, steward a little bit and you can, it can grow. The one who was given the least was afraid, was intimidated, and he went and buried his talent. He wasn't willing to take risk. He was intimidated by the master. And so he was, his focus was consumed with fear. And because of that, he buried his talents. He buried his gifts. And when the master came, all he could do was give back exactly what he had been given. He didn't turn it into anything. And so he was considered a wicked, evil servant who what he was given was taken away from him. The other two were given larger amounts and they turned and invested it, took risk, used their gifts, used their talents and turned it into something. They multiplied them. And they had something to offer the master when he came back. This is a beautiful analogy of the Lord. He's given us gifts. And I feel like the question over our lives is not, are you going to do exactly what I've told you to do? Because if you notice, the master gave them one instruction. He said, do something with it. (laughs) That's That's literally all he said. Do something with these. Here you go. I'll come back. I'll check in and see what you did. And then he literally came back and checked in and said, okay, let's, let's settle our accounts. What did you do? He did not micromanage. He did not leave them a to-do list. He didn't say, this is what I want you to do with your money and this is what I want you to do with yours. He just said, do something. And he allowed their creativity, their ingenuity, their uniqueness to create something unique and they were savvy with what they were given and they multiplied it, which is part of why I started a podcast and why I train podcasters. I want to give a vehicle to people that want to multiply their communication or their teaching um, or their wisdom gifts into other people's lives. And so this is a key and really was like a pivot point for me that the Lord took a lot of pressure off of me because I felt like, oh, I've got to make sure I'm hearing God's very instruction. And, And sometimes when you're praying for a specific instruction of how to use your gifts or should I try out for this? Should I audition for this? Should I take this course? Should I work with this coach? Should I whatever? And you don't hear any instruction from the Lord. 
That's because it's up to you. Invest, multiply, and just bring something back to the Lord that you can offer to him because that's what glorifies him. That's what makes it a gift back to the Lord because he didn't micromanage the process. He's like, oh my gosh, look what you made me. That's amazing. You know, but the, th- the, the threat to us being able to do that is fear. If we get wrapped up in fear, in imposter syndrome, in comparison, in all these things, we will not use our talents. We'll bury them. We'll hide them. And then we'll have nothing to offer him. And so that is what I want to help you avoid. So as a mother, granted, you will have the offering of your children to give to the Lord. But there are other things that you can offer. And your gifts are a keys to that. So key number one, it has taken us a minute to get here, huh? Key number one is God loves seeing you in your gifts. Just like when you watch American Idol and you see the mom on the sideline watching their kid perform and cry or the spouse or whatever, every single time they cry. And why is that? Because it brings so much joy to see your child or anyone you love doing exactly what they're built to do. It's like, I was telling a friend this today, we did a red carpet event this last weekend and I was the host, not the host, I was the red carpet um, interviewer and then I also interviewed the Q&A for the cast and crew and it was so fun. I was in my element doing what I love Well, my friend was the lead lady in the movie and watching her walk in on the red carpet literally looking like glam Hollywood getting a picture taken and then me getting to interview her and her husband and then seeing her on the screen and there's just there was such a resounding explosive sense of yes on the inside watching her do what she was built to do she's naturally a performer and she was doing what she's built to do and it just resonates with this yes on the inside because When you're moving in your gifts, doing what God has put inside of you, it glorifies God. All of the world feels right when people are moving in their gifts and their anointings. There is such a giant yes when we're doing what we were put here to do. And that can look like a variety of things. It could look like you building spreadsheets. I have a friend who loves building spreadsheets. And I'm like, you do you, girl. That is not my thing. (laughs) But she loves it. And, and you know what? It blesses our daycare because she runs the daycare and the daycare thrives because she's savvy with her organization and all the things. And so I want you to realize though, you have multiple gifts and your gifts are always connected to the purpose of your life. And so paying attention to what are you, in fact, I heard it said this one, this one time, don't just do what you're excited about because your excitement for things can change depending on what you're consuming. So if I spend a lot of time with people who love football, I will end up getting excited about football. That doesn't mean I need to go try out to be a football cheerleader, right? Um, I could be watching a lot of HGTV and I end up being very excited about home decor. That doesn't mean that I need to go pursue a career in interior decorating. But what I do need to do is look at what are the things that I do the most naturally with the least amount of effort. My friend who is the the movie star, she is a performer. She is a communicator. She is good with people. She's charismatic. She just does that easily. Me, I'm a communicator. It comes naturally. It shows up in every environment that I'm in. I'm communicating somehow, some way, and usually people comment, you're so articulate. You did that so well. You seem so natural. When you hear phrases like that, it means that's the lane that is causing you to shine. And that's probably 
one of a key that you're built for that or like a clue that you're built for that. So number one, God loves seeing you in your gifts. Pay attention to those things that you do naturally with the least amount of effort because those are the gifts God has put inside of you and they're connected. They're a, they're a clue to your calling and you need to prioritize those things. So that is just your permission. It honors God when you do what you do the way you do it. Like my old pastor said, he said, when you do what you do the way you do it, you're dangerous. You become an asset to the earth when you're doing what God put inside of you. So there's your permission, mama, to pursue what you love. Okay. Number two, key number two, it is important to believe in yourself. And I say this because it's multifaceted. Um, You have to know that your life makes an impact. And this is why you need to believe in yourself because you're not believing in yourself in an egotistical way. You're believing in yourself knowing that, you know what? I need to show up like my life makes a difference. That is a mature, healthy view of life. I realize as a human My life impacts other people. My life impacts the people that I'm around. I have influence whether I asked for it or not. I do because I'm a human and that's part of the human experience. So it's important to believe in yourself and believe that you make an impact and that it matters if you show up. It matters if you are stewarding your gifts and showing up in that way in life. Someone is out there waiting for what you bring to the table. For a season, that may primarily be your children. And for your entire life, honestly, we're going to always be parenting our kids as long as they're alive. But for your entire life, your children will always be at the top of that list. And they should be. Never, ever, ever feel like parenting or raising humans is playing small. That is the most precious privilege in life. But beyond your children and family and close friends, there may be others needing you to steward your gifts. Like think about the people who you've learned from online, for example. I think about people like Jenna Kutcher and Amy Porterfield and John Maxwell and Craig Rochelle and these leaders I have learned from. And I think to myself, what if they didn't put their resources available online or write the books or do the webinars or write the blogs or create those resources? I would have been lacking a number of tools that I have that have enriched my life and empowered me to pursue what's inside of me. Because they showed up, I can show up. So by you showing up, you empower other people to show up. This is why, even as a busy mom, it's important that you are able to, to the capacity that you can, pursue your gifts, steward your gifts, and walk in the things that are seasonally appropriate for where you are. Okay? And that's seasonally. Every season, it's going to look a little different. Um, God is too creative and intentional to create you without a vastly impactful purpose. God is way too creative and too intentional to create you without a vastly impactful purpose. One of my podcast students who graduated from my course, she has a podcast now, and interestingly, she was the director's wife um, of the red carpet movie that we just did. Um, She went through my program and she has a podcast. And she responded to me with, she said, all my students have actually expressed so much gratitude. Um, But she said specifically, she goes, Jenilee, I didn't know I would love this so much. I didn't know I needed this space. This gives me something that I can own where my voice is serving a different purpose than 
than just supporting my husband. She goes, I love my husband. I'll always support him. I'll always be his biggest fan, but this gives me a space carved out for me where I can impact people. And she goes, if you had not had your course, I don't know if I would have ever gotten to this place or, or discovered what's inside of me the way that I did. Another of my coaching students said, generally, I'm so grateful, literally sitting on my couch, she goes, generally, I'm so grateful you had your mastermind because I'm a busy mom. I have a full-time job and three young kids that we homeschool. She said, if you had not had this mastermind, I never, ever, ever would have started my podcast. But this actually is creating an avenue that will help me create income even when I quit my job to stay home with my kids. She's like, this has impacted my life and I'm so, so thankful. And so people... When, when they share that with me, oh my gosh, it gives me so much purpose for what I'm doing and, and also speaks to that principle that you showing up gives someone else the ability to show up themselves, okay? Now, real talk, there are times I want to quit. When you're building your gifts, especially when you're learning new territory, <laughs> that's when I want to quit the most, um, sometimes I get discouraged. Sometimes I feel like, what the heck am I doing? Especially when I'm tired and I've been working hard and there's not a lot of response to what I'm putting out into the world. And so I have to just go back to keeping my home and raising my kids. Like that's my first priority. But usually whenever I'm discouraged and I'm ready to quit, like I had that conversation with the Lord yesterday, I feel like I I end up wanting to quit like once a month, if I'm honest. It's probably around my period, let's be real. But I always, there's, there's just always a point when life, the pressure gets turned up. Maybe there's a lot of doctor's appointments or there's a holiday or it's just crazy. And you're like, how am I going to do it all? Or for me, it's like I'm trying to create wealth, um, generational wealth for my family. And the building is hard because you're putting a lot of work in and you're not reaping your reward yet. But I just go back and that's when the Lord will bring someone with encouragement or feedback or someone that I've impacted or a prophetic word. And the Lord will come alongside and breathe life onto that place and that space and he'll keep me going. So even though you're going to believe in yourself and you're going to know that you make an impact, don't be discouraged when you get discouraged. Don't be discouraged when you feel like quitting. That's a normal part of the process. I mean, we all want to quit life. We all want to quit parenting. We all want to quit cooking. We all want to quit marriage. We all want to quit the things that matter at some point because that's just part of the human experience, you know? So don't be discouraged and don't take that as a sign that you're not where you need to be. That's just part of it. So key one, God loves seeing you in your gifts. Key two, it's important to believe in yourself and show up so that you can empower other people to show up. And it's also important that you believe in yourself because there will be people who don't support you. And sometimes it's people closest to you. My husband has had to go on a journey with me. He was actually one of the least supportive people in my whole entrepreneurial journey. Um, And he's really had to learn those things that he's done that have made me feel unsupported and how to change some of his thinking and how to empower me. That has been something he's had to learn. But the truth is, the Lord surrounded me with other people who have been. My sisters, the family I was raised in, other like intercessors who've come around me and just see what's inside of me. They have been my biggest cheerleaders. And so it is important that you do have people that are in your corner that believe in you as well. So that when you are discouraged, when you're ready to quit, those people can come alongside you and say, no, do not quit on this dream. The world needs you. And so that's very important. And I'm happy to say my husband is learning and has had a great transformation <laughs> in how to be supportive. Um, 1 Corinthians 12, 27 says, all of you together are Christ's body and each of you is a part of it. The idea that you showing up enables someone else to show up 
It's true. You are part of the body. If you don't do your part, it prevents someone else from doing their part. Even scripture tells us that. Key number three, my kids need to see me pursuing my dreams. This is another reason I pursue my dreams. And this is so that they feel empowered to pursue theirs and support their spouse and their kids in in pursuing theirs. They need to see that it is a good and healthy and beautiful part of life to act on the things God has put inside of you. It is not only good, it's important. God put you here for a reason and he built you with gifts to drive you. For my oldest, it was when I was playing a certain CD, a worship CD, and I was singing along because I love to sing, right? I was using my gifts and he was listening and something about the guitar in the recording, the sound of them sliding on the strings, he liked it. And that's when he decided, I'm going to play guitar. Literally, you never know what little tiny thing will flip their switch. But as parents, we want to pay attention. So when you're pursuing your gifts, God did not haphazardly put your children in your life. They're going to have gifts that resonate with your gifts. And so as you're living out the the giftings that are inside of you, it may activate giftings inside of your children. It's really cool that when I was in high school, I played guitar and I played drums Drums never took off, but I played guitar. I taught myself and I led worship with guitar and stuff. Well, now I have two children. One is phenomenal on the drums. One is phenomenal on the guitar and they do way better at me. You know what else I did? I played basketball and I did it for a few years and it was great, but it never took off. You know what? Now I have a son. He's a phenomenal basketballer and I love the ocean. I love the beach. I have a son who's obsessed with it. So it's kind of interesting. There were seeds of those things inside of me that I'm seeing my boys live out in increased measure. And so I don't know that I could say those things are giftings in me per se, but they were part of my experience even before my kids were born and my kids are living out in greater measure. And so you living out your gifts is super important. It will help activate the gifts of the people around you. Okay, so your kids need to see you pursuing your gifts and dreams because that teaches them, it gives them permission to pursue theirs. In fact, that's part of why I'm doing this episode because the women around me have said, I watch you and seeing you do this alongside of ministry, seeing you do this alongside of parenting has made me feel like I can do it too. So other people around you need to see you do your gifts. Okay, we're going to move faster. Key number four, start with what's in your hands. This is really important. A lot of people are like, how do I create the big dream? How do I get there? Listen, nobody gets there by jumping into the deep end. (laughs) Well, okay, maybe there are situations where that happens. But reality is we start with what's in front of us. Literally start with what's in your hands. The example of the boy with the loaves and the fishes in the Bible His loaves and fishes was merely his lunch. That was his lunch. It was not ever packed to feed a multitude. It was packed to feed him. And so he brought it. But when what he brought to the table combined with the anointing, the grace and the favor of God himself, it fed the multitude. So many times when I feel like I don't have much to offer, Especially when I started my, y'all, you have no idea how much I've wrestled with imposter syndrome and feeling like I have no idea what I'm doing when I started my podcast and even for years. It took years of podcasting for me to feel like an official podcaster or like I wasn't just pretending. Um, But when you take what is in your hands and you're just like, I'll bring it to the table. I frequently pray, God, I need your anointing and I need your favor to mix with what I'm bringing to the table because what I'm bringing is not enough to do much. 
But if you will touch it and carry it, it will do much more than I ever could. I want you to take my gifts and use them to feed the multitudes. Somehow, some way, do what you do. I'm, I'm available. Here's my lunch. <laughs> Here's my loaves and fishes. Whatever you are good at, maybe you're good at meal planning. Maybe you're good at budgeting. Maybe you're good at building the curriculum for homeschooling your kids. Maybe you're good at, um, I have no idea, there's a ton of things, couponing. I was good at couponing for a while. Whatever it is, start with what's in your hands and ask the Lord, how can I use this to serve people? Or just look, look around when people come to you with questions. What do people come to you asking for? That's a really good clue. That's how I started my podcast mastermind. People were asking me, help me start a podcast. So I created a mastermind. And then my mastermind students were like, we don't want to stop coaching. Can you help us with another level of coaching? And so I created my network for continued coaching. So if you respond to the request, respond to the need, which is really what the little boy did. They said, does anyone have food? And he said, I have food. So he responded to the request. He showed up. It mixed with the anointing of Jesus and the supernatural power of God. And then it fed the multitudes. And honestly, that's one of the beautiful things about being a woman. We actually have a grace to do that. If you guys have ever heard, uh, there's this like, I think it's um, T.D. Jakes says this, but it's this little thing floating around the internet where it says, if you give a woman a sperm, she'll give you a baby. If you give a woman groceries, she'll give you a meal. If you give a woman a house, she'll give you a home. If you give a woman frustration, (laughs) you better change what you're giving her. (laughs) And so we women have an ability to take what we're given, to create something out of it, and to multiply it back into the world. So you're actually built to succeed at this, my friend. Start with what's in your hands, key number four. Key number five, know your season. This is really important. Because if you don't recognize your season or you're busy looking at everybody else's seasons and you think yours is supposed to look like that, you're going to get way, way, way in the wrong space. You're going to get way frustrated. You have to accept the demands and the space of your season. When my kids were little tiny, I was not building a podcast. I didn't start my podcast until 2017. And let's see, my oldest was 11 at that point. And my youngest was five at that point. So they were all in school. So I didn't really pursue building businesses and my podcast until all my kids were in school. Before they were all in school, I did other smaller things. Like I did have a blog. I did not take that very seriously. Um, I did couponing and I taught people how to do that. There was other things I would teach, um, occasionally at church or I would, I discipled the women in our college ministry. I did that the most with the time that I had, I could have girls over and I could talk to them and mentor them while I was dealing with my kids. And so that's what I was able to do in that season. When I got into fashion and all of this, I literally, I would use clothing as a creative expression for myself because it was something I could do in about two or three minutes. It didn't really take away from the kids. Um, I was super busy with kids, so it's not like I could go set up, you know, all this stuff to be a painter. And that would have been messy. It would have been time consuming and the kids would have gotten in the way of that. So that wasn't reasonable for my season. What was reasonable was going to my closet and trying to put together a cute outfit. Takes five minutes. The kids were fine for five minutes, you know, and it was a little creative outlet for me. So find what you can do in your season. Don't try try to do too much at once or you'll end up feeling overwhelmed. Just start small and gradually work your way up to bigger goals in a season where it's appropriate. 
for example, also when the kids were little, um, I decided to get piano lessons. So once a week, I got piano lessons, and then I would practice when I could. It also allowed me to teach one of my boys how to play piano. So just little things. Know your season. Accept the limitations of it. Don't resent them. Just accept it. But just find one thing or two things that bring you joy and give you life, and just do it at the capacity that you can. Do not overextend yourself. Don't place so many demands on yourself that it becomes a stressor. It needs to be something that is a refreshing outlet for you, whatever that is, because using your gifts will be refreshing. Key number six is find creative expression that feeds your soul and fits your life season. We talked about life season. We talked about it feeding your soul. For me, fashion, again, like I said, was a really quick way to be creative. So finding some kind of creative expression because creativity will naturally pull on your gifts. Um, Finding some kind of creative expression or way that you can create projects. Maybe it's crafting or whatever it is, some kind of outlet for your soul. That's important. That keeps you refreshed. It gives you something to pull your kids into if they want to participate. Um, And it's it's just good for the soul. Uh, And it does develop your gifts on like a low-key, low-pressure kind of way. Key number seven, it's important to find a support system. Women who are running the same track as you. This could be a friend, a family member, or even a group of other moms who are also trying to build their dreams. Having someone to talk to who can offer support makes a big difference. This could be a mentor. It could be a coach, hiring a coach. um, Or it could be leaning into those women around you who believe in you. And that's what I had to do, especially in the days when my husband had a hard time seeing um, the purpose in what I was doing. I had to really lean into those women who could see it and the people around me who could. And it was so great because any kind of discouraging moment that I had with my husband the Lord would send me like three people who would encourage me and feed me. And I would, and I placed it before the Lord many times because if my husband wasn't on board, it felt like it was wrong to pursue it, right? Particularly fashion. He, he never understood that pursuit. Um, and so it felt wrong to pursue it because he wasn't on board. Well, I finally at some point had to realize, you know what? My husband is human and he might not be seeing this through the lens he's supposed to be seeing this through. You know, he's he's a human. I could be looking at something in his life through a jealous lens or an insecure lens or whatever kind of broken lens that would cause me not to see it properly that would cause me to have a wrong response. And so once I finally realized, you know, my husband is human, so there's a chance that he could not be on track with what the Lord is doing in my life. And that's okay. Um, so what I would do is I would take that thing and I would constantly surrender it. I const- literally probably 12,000 times. I laid my, my styling business on the altar with the Lord and said, Lord, I do not have to be a wardrobe stylist. I do not have to be in fashion. I don't need to do any of this. So my husband is not on board. He doesn't understand it. And sometimes he would give me a hard time about it. And so I was like, Lord, I need you to take this or like, here's my fleece. And so multiple times I put out a fleece and I said, Lord, if this happens, then that tells me you want me to stay on track. If this happens, then I know I need to just lay it down. And every single time that I put a fleece out there, God showed up in gangbusters and like blew things out of the water to help me realize I was on the right track. So all I could do is say, you know what? My husband, talk to me, 
why is it you feel like this is hard to support? How can I figure out? And, and a lot of times it came down to if I was busy and, and it was like a busy season, maybe holidays or whatever, and my husband felt like what I was putting my hands to was taking away from my time with him, then he would hate on what I was putting my hands to, right? And so I had to kind of help him dig down to what's the real issue here. And so when he was able to figure that out, it kind of helped. We'd have to talk about it, have conversation. Because the truth is, your spouse will not support your dreams if it makes them feel threatened at home. If it feels like your home life suffers or your relationship with them suffers or you're not able to be a good mom anymore, they are going to be opposed to it as they should be because those are your first priorities and you need to tend to those things first. So it's important to have those conversations. And I share that really candidly, not to throw my husband under the bus, but just to be authentic and honest and transparent. Like the journey hasn't always been smooth and perfect. It's been very, very bumpy. There's been a lot of tears along the way as I've built my dreams, not knowing what I'm doing, not knowing why the Lord put me in fashion. I still don't really understand that. Um, what he's going to do with it. It's it's kind of the quiet part of my life right now. It's not an active dream I'm building at the moment. So I don't know what that season was for. And I believe the Lord will make sense out of it one day. Um, but it was an important season that I, I pulled a lot of skill sets from that have helped me in what I am walking in now. So that may be all it was for. Um, but I say all that because I want you to understand that you and your husband will have to have conversations. Um, hopefully you have a spouse that is very supportive and really believes in you and is willing to go the extra mile to help you see those dreams come to fruition. It was a little less um, uh, of that <laughs> for me. It was not that straightforward and simple, um, but through lots of communication and um, me showing him that I've always supported his dreams and how meaningful that was for him that I was asking for the same thing back. And so it was just a lot of him learning, me learning how to have boundaries and all of that. So find your support system, all that to say, find your support system, the people that encourage you, remind you of your purpose, help you get there. Um, but then you, you do need to always make sure that you're communicating with the people around you so they can be your support system. Your dreams should not threaten your home life. Um, key number eight, it is important to take care of yourself. Okay. Now I know culturally this can get a little like far reaching. Oh, self-care, self-love, all the self, self, self. Life is never wisdom wisdom is found in the middle of the road it is not found in any extremes so if you go to the extreme of self 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 you're going to end up in a selfish lonely life if you go to the other extreme of never caring for yourself you are going to harm yourself <laughs> you're going to destroy your own life and so you want to live in the middle the middle says i'm aware of the needs of the people that I'm responsible for and I have a responsibility to serve them but I also have a responsibility to take care of myself and it is, it is humility and wisdom to be able to recognize that. So that means things like getting enough sleep, eating healthy food, exercising regularly. The exercise thing is back on my radar. <laughs> when you take care of yourself, you'll have more energy and motivation to pursue your dreams and you will be able to show up with your best self to take care of the people around you more. If you're not taking care of yourself, you're going to be tired. If you're tired, 
you don't have as much energy to do the different things you want to take care of. So then you just have less functional hours in the day when you're tired all the time. So take care of yourself. This is a really important key in building your dreams because you are the asset. You are the one who's building the dream. So if you don't take care of you, you cannot take care of your responsibilities and your goals. Here's some ways that I take care of myself. I'll give you examples. I make sure that if I'm feeling overwhelmed and stressed, that I do make time for myself. That might look like Saturday night. I plan to just check out from work and check out from the boys and say, guys, mom's going to have some me time. And I just put on my favorite show. Maybe I'm painting my toenails. I soak in a bath. Whatever it is, I take time for me. When the kids go back to school for the school year, me and my best friend will go and we'll have lunch somewhere fun and fancy or brunch or whatever. And we just do that to celebrate. Um, maybe once a month or every so often, I'll put in my calendar to go have lunch or coffee with a friend. That feeds my soul. And that's actually a very um, regularly practiced habit in my life. I just love it. Um, I once a year go back and see my family. So I decided to build in my trips to see my sisters and I do that every single summer and it has been a tradition and I'm sometimes gone up to two weeks and I do not apologize about it. (laughs) I'm like, listen, you get to see your family all year long. I never get to see mine. I'm going to take two weeks to see my family and he's totally okay with it now. He, he's on board with it. He realizes it's important. Um, and so finding different ways to feed your soul is important. And those are, everyone's a little different. And so what that looks like for you may be different than what it looks like for me. Um, But you need, you know yourself best. So you got to do those things. Key number nine, we're almost done. Steward and develop your gifts in the quiet seasons. So when you're in a season where, say you're very busy at home, your kids are little and you don't have the capacity to build these gifts that are very um, visible or uh, bearing a lot of fruit. I mean, everything, the, the cycle of life is the same thing. There's a seed and then it goes in the ground and then it must be crushed and then it sprouts and then it grows and eventually it will bear fruit. So your dream and your gifts, they always start as a seed. They always start as an idea and your idea must go into the ground, which is you beginning to take action. And then it goes through a crushing. (laughs) So don't feel bad when it feels like the process is discouraging or hard or there's tears. That's part of it. That's part of how you grow and learn what you need to do. And then eventually there will be fruit. I feel like my, my planting and crushing season has been long, but I feel like now I'm finally finding the momentum of my podcasting and my coaching and these different things. So I'm finally beginning to see the beginning traces of some fruit coming. And that's very, very rewarding, especially when you've put so much work in. But in those quiet seasons, while the seed is in the ground, be faithful to steward and develop your gifts. That might mean if you feel called to preach, that you don't have opportunities to preach right now, then the season that you're in is study the word. Get the word of God in you so that you're ready when the opportunities come. If you feel the need to have a business, but you don't have the capacity to run a business right now, then take the time to do some learning. Maybe you take some online courses. Maybe you hire a coach that will help you learn what you need to learn. Maybe you just start reading blogs and watching YouTube videos for now. That's how I started. Whatever it is, start putting into you what's going to feed what you eventually want to come out of you. And your quiet seasons are your education seasons. That's the learning season. That's when you're investing in yourself. 
Romans 12, 6 through 8 says, In his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you're a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it's giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. The point of this passage is, whatever your gift is, do it well and do it. And so that's part of the stewarding it even in the quiet seasons. Take your gift seriously. You may, being a leader on a small level, I view it as these, these, the smaller the smaller opportunities I see as the Lord being kind. I would rather develop skills in a low-pressure environment than in a high-pressure one. And so whenever I'm in environments where it's like, like for example, the red carpet event that I did this last weekend, I appreciate that my first time to interview celebrities, if you will, local celebrities, to interview people on the red carpet was in an environment that I helped put it all together. I knew the directors. I knew most of the cast and crew. I had been involved. It was very low pressure. It was just fun and enjoyable. I loved that interviewing them on the stage was low pressure because I've been podcasting for five years. I've been interviewing people on my show for years. So that skill was developed in me in a low pressure environment where it's one-on-one on an audio recording that I can go back and edit. You know what I mean? So God put the skills in me in low pressure environments so that when a bigger opportunity comes, it's already natural because he wants me to succeed. And so in the quiet seasons, view those training opportunities that come along that may seem like small and insignificant. Embrace them because the Lord is being kind and he's helping you develop your skills in a low pressure environment so that when bigger opportunities with more pressure come along later, you're already built for it and it's going to feel more natural and you're going to be set up to succeed. Okay. So Proverbs twenty two twenty nine says, do you see a man skilled in his work? He will stand before kings and he will not stand before obscure men. That means get skilled at your work. In these quiet seasons, get skilled at what you do because that is what will position you before kings. And that's important because we want to impact culture. We want to impact as many people as possible. So by pursuing influential positions or being influential, it's not egotistical. It's to make an impact. So we don't need to be religious about it. Let's be strategic about it. We want to make an impact. So develop your skills now so that you're really good at what you do and you will serve before kings. All right, key number 10. This is really important. Stay in your lane. Do what is yours to do. Do not get caught up in comparison. Do not, in fact, one way, one, uh, there was an example when we did Hurricane Harvey and we flooded. I saw people staying in their lane in the most beautiful way. Everyone flooded. Oh, so many families lost so many things and people wanted to help. And I found that what people did is they just looked down and were like, what's in my hands? What are my skills? What can I do? How can I use this? And they would offer what they had. So when we were evacuated, some people would bring laundry detergent at the hotel. And they said, this is for 
hurricane evacuees to use for free. Um, the, there was a photographer, world-renowned photographer. She said, I'm booking sessions for any evacuees. So me and the boys got to have this professional photo session done that I loved. It was beautiful. Stephen wasn't there, but the rest of us got to do it. It was so precious and special. She offered what she had. She stayed in her lane. So if you get caught up in comparison, when I was in fashion um, more predominantly and I was following a lot of bloggers and like fashion bloggers, it was really easy to see what they were doing and their reels were fancy and their pictures were fancy and their clothes were fancy. And I would very easily get discouraged and be like, Jenny, you don't even know what you're doing. Like, what the heck? Why are you even doing this? And so I started changing my thinking and realized, you know what, Jen? Her path is her path. That is not your path. And so I was like, God, thank you for helping her succeed in her path. Thank you that she's on her path and she's doing a great job. Keep blessing her. And I would kind of turn that comparison into the reality check that we're on different paths and that is good and important. She doesn't do what I do and I can't do what she does. And so staying in your lane means you stay out of comparison and you fully embrace what you do. One way that I do this currently is at church. This is the first time being a pastor's wife, and this is the probably the, the biggest position pastorally that we've had in our marriage, but I'm actually more removed from it than I've ever been, and it's because I'm a business person now, and, and I've even been prophesied over, so it was confirmed that I carry an anointing for business and for ministry. So something that I had to do when we were at the church is I, I had to recognize I have an anointing not just for ministry now. This is something the Lord developed in my life or that I didn't know was there that he imparted to me in about 2015 through a dream. Now it's been confirmed. I have a, an anointing for not just ministry, but also business. And so there was um, somebody at church who was of influence that put a lot of pressure on me that, and they, they would say that I wasn't servant hearted and that I wasn't showing up at church properly and blah, blah, blah. And that I should have been doing more because I was a leader. Well, thankfully, because I'd gotten that prophetic word, I felt empowered to stay in my lane. I felt empowered to have boundaries and recognize, I'm sorry, I cannot show up as an executive pastor. My husband is the one who's hired, not me. I'm running businesses. I'm raising a family. Those are my priorities. I will show up in whatever capacity I can responsibly. It wasn't responded to well at first, but eventually they just adapted and realized, okay, this is just where Jenny is. And we can't expect her to be a full-time pastor when she's not even <laughs> paid staff. And so I had to though, for myself, because in past seasons, if I had been challenged like that, I don't think I would have responded to it well. I would have been confused. I would have felt pressured into being in a space that I wasn't built for in that season. And I think it would have made me really miserable. But thankfully, because I was prepared with the idea of boundaries and knowing my limits and trusting my gut and being sensitive to what my season is and all of those things, it allowed me to stay in my lane. So I made a conscious decision I may be a pastor and here's the way I can show up. I can show up through meeting with some women one-on-one -on -one when they need it. And I can show up through helping on the worship team, which isn't even a pastoral thing. It's just kind of part of being in the church, you know? And then when there's little tiny things that come up that I feel like I have a responsibility to take care of, I'll do those. But otherwise, I do not feel obligated to be at everything and to show up for everything and to do all the things because the Lord has asked me 
to build a business. The Lord has asked me to raise a family and those are my priorities. So staying in my lane is really important to be able to do what is mine to do. If you don't stay in your lane, you won't have the capacity to build what God has put inside of you to build. So don't get caught up in comparison. And remember, like in 2 Corinthians 10, 12 says, not that we dare to classify or compare ourselves with some of those who are commending themselves, like those who are of influence, but when they measure themselves by one another and compare themselves with one another, they are without understanding. Even here in Corinthians, he's saying, listen, when you get caught up in comparison, you're missing it. You're missing the point. You don't have understanding. You have a different journey to walk. Ephesians 4.16 says, From him, from God, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Again, you have to stay in your lane. If my foot tries to function like my hand, that's going to be gross. I don't want to eat my food with my foot. You know what I mean? Like that's gross. And it's gross when we see people get out of their lane. It's gross when we see someone who's gifted for one thing, trying to do what someone else is gifted for. It just is gross. It's like, "Uh, something's not right here. You know, you don't get that yes (laughs) on the inside when you see that. So acknowledging your gifts, acknowledging what God's put you here for, that will help you stay in your lane. And you have to give yourself permission to say no sometimes and to draw a polite but firm boundary and say, I don't have the capacity for that. I'm sorry, but I can help you find someone who can. Galatians 1.10, for I am, am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. For you to stay in your lane, you have to not be a people pleaser. You have to be able to have the gumption to say, my priority is pleasing the Lord. And that's what I had to do because the voices that were putting pressure on me in past seasons of my life would have been intimidating to me, would have made me feel, I would have curled up in a ball and cried. Like it would have been bad. But because through some hardship, actually, the Lord forged in me the confidence to say, I don't care who approves or doesn't approve. This is what God has called me to do. This is what I'm going to do. And And I think, honestly, my husband having to work through not being supportive kind of helped forge that in me. So in a way, that was a gift because it helps me develop the ability to not be careless of his voice or opinion, but to prioritize, this is what God has asked me to do. Now, again, I'm not going to do it in such a way that's going to cause my husband to be resentful or it's going to be destructive and harmful in my family. I have a responsibility to steward my gifts and build my dream in a way that blesses the responsibilities God has given me in my family and my home as well. Okay, here's your bonus tip. I just want you to keep in mind, your dreams may change throughout your life, okay? As you're building a dream, if it seems that it starts to die after a while or or the opportunities dry up or doors close or whatever or things shift, don't feel like don't feel like you have failed. Certain dreams change with certain seasons. In fact, I think the Lord puts things on our radars to kind of almost like, you know, how you work different jobs in your life. You know, you were a server, you were a cashier, you were a bookkeeper, you were these different things in different seasons of your life. And if you look back, you can see how different jobs built in you different skill sets and different 
um, they matured you differently because they placed different demands on different aspects of who you were. Well, that's much how life is. God takes us from season to season, different dreams that we build or things that we pursue or hobbies we pursue or whatever, build different skill sets in you and help you develop the different aspects of who you are. So if you find that one dream that you had, like mine was God pulled me into fashion and I built a fashion business and styling company and all this different stuff. Well, right now it's quiet. It's on the back burner. It is not something I'm building or pursuing at the moment. Is it something the Lord could resurrect later? Sure. Is it my heartbeat and, and what's driving me on the inside? No, it's really not right now. And so that dream is kind of asleep or maybe it's died. I don't really know. I guess time will tell. And that's okay. That's not a failure because with that season, I did that really well. And I gave it my all and I helped a bunch of people and I learned a bunch of things. And so it served a purpose for me. So if you find that as your life goes on, your dreams evolve, that is okay and normal. When you're a child, you dreamed about being a princess. When you were in high school, you dreamed about what college you're going to go to. When you became a mom, you dreamed about what your kids are going to become. As you as your life evolves, so will your dreams. And so that's a normal normal part of the human experience. So in conclusion, let me just hit these keys uh, in summary so you can remember what they were. Key number one, God loves seeing you in your gifts and it helps um, to empower the people around you as well. Key number two, it's important to believe in yourself. There will be challenges. There will be discouragements that come. You need to believe and show up like your life makes a difference. You showing up empowers someone else to show up in their gifts. Key number three, your kids need to see you pursuing your dreams so they feel empowered to pursue theirs and to support their spouse and their families as they pursue theirs. You pursuing your dreams has a ripple effect. Key number four, starting with what? Start with what's in your hands. Don't worry about the big vision. Start with what's in your hands. That's your next step. All you're responsible for is what is the best next step. That's all. In fact, that's gold right there. Write that down somewhere. What is the best next step? That's all you're responsible for. You start with what's in your hands so you can take the best next step. That's key number four. Key number five, know your season. Be aware of what your season is and what your priorities are and keep those the priority. Young children are very demanding. You're not going to be able to do as much or build as much when your kids are really tiny or you're going to have to be really strategic with your time. Um, so know your season so you can respect your season, honor your season because seasons change and your next season will be different. So just make the most of the season you're in. Key number six, find creative expression that feeds your soul and fits your life season. For me, going in the closet, putting an outfit together took five minutes, easy to do when my kids were little and it fit, it fit my life season. So find creative expression that feeds your soul and fits your life season. Number seven, it's important to find a support system. When you're building anything, there will be challenging moments. You need to have people around you who see the purpose, who see in you what you don't even see in you so they can continue to believe in you and fuel those dreams. Lean into those people. Key number eight, it's important to take care of yourself. You are the asset. If you don't take care of you, the dream won't happen. Take care of yourself. Key number nine, steward and develop your gifts in the quiet seasons. There are seasons for study and development before you can show up on the stage. Learn your lines. 
Learn your lines so that you can show up on the stage and play the role you're meant to play. Steward your gifts in the quiet seasons. Number 10, stay in your lane. Do not get caught up in comparison. Do not think that you need to be doing someone else's job. Stay in your lane. Embrace it. Have boundaries in place to protect it. And don't feel bad or obligated to just do what everyone else is demanding of you. When you know your lane, you know your responsibilities, and you protect it, you can do the best job you can. When you do the best job you can, you will serve before kings. You will not serve before obscure men. And the bonus tip was that your dreams will change with time. Okay, so thanks for listening. This was a very long episode. Oh, I probably should have broken it into two. But I hope you guys enjoyed it. Share it with a friend. I will actually throw my notes into the show notes. That way, if you want to print it out, you can. And it can be kind of a reminder to you of what these things are. Um, So yeah, go check out the show notes. Also, if you were interested, again, in creating a podcast, if you're in a space where you're like, I think I want to build and I want to build something around my communication gifts and podcasting could be it, possibly. Get on, the, get on the link down in the show notes. Book a call with me. My next cohort begins in mid-September. I will do them about every two and a half to three months. And so the one after that will be in January. Don't put it off though. If you start in September, by Thanksgiving, you'll be an official, legit podcaster. Totally trained and growing. Like, it's amazing. The, the cohort is so good. The mastermind is so good. So get on my calendar if you're interested. And let's do this thing. I believe in you. We need your gifts in this world. Be faithful, mama, with your gifts. Raising your family is the most important thing that you do, but stewarding your gifts is also very important. All right, love you. See you guys next week for the next one, which is answering all your Q&A about how I did that. So we're gonna get real practical and nitty-gritty in the next week's episode. All right, see you guys next week. Thanks so much for tuning in to today's show. Listen, let's stay connected. Come follow me on Instagram at Java with Jen, where you can follow the latest and say, hey, it's a really great way to stay in touch. Many of you have also asked how you can support the show. You can make donations through the Anchor app or on Patreon, or of course, by sharing, rating, and reviewing on social media and iTunes as well. Your heartfelt feedback always reminds me why I do this. Also, don't miss our merch store where you can get super cool Java with Jen swag and coffee. Find it at javawithjenmerch.com. Until next time, remember, hearing God's voice is simple and he wants to be a part of your everyday life. See you next week.